question. Father God, we wrestle with what is faith. Make it clear. Um, May my words speak to both minds and hearts. May we grow in confidence tonight. May we learn different ways that we can interact with those around us that are not sure of what faith is. In your son's name I pray. Amen. So what is faith? Is it the realm between certainty and doubt? Is it the place between reason and being completely unreasonable? Is it the same space in our childlike imaginations that dragons lurk, that unicorns exist, and that little green men visit? What is faith? One of the new atheists, and at this point they're old, the new atheists came out when I was in high school, um, but that's what they self-described. Richard Dawkins famously coined, this is faith, it's on your sheet, in italics. Faith is the great cop-out, the great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. Faith is belief in spite of, even perhaps because of, the lack of evidence. I mean, right? The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. So this is where we're going to insert a logic moment, hopefully every week. I I did teach a logic class over the summer here. This was way early on. We didn't have time to do it again this summer. I don't think you also had the bandwidth. Um, Most of you were worn out from the school year. Um, but I'll try to insert a logic moment so you can learn a little bit of logic. What he defines faith as is called a straw man. So everyone say straw man. Okay? A straw man is, is a phrase, this is what it means. It's when someone, I have the definition here in your logic moment. This is when someone paints an opponent's position or definition as something that it is not. So it's redefining someone, something, or some point. You see this. If you turn on the news, it don't matter which side, right? For literally, I'm going to give you so much logic over the course of the next six months, you won't be able to watch a political debate without weeping, okay? It'll be like, we're all so dumb. I can't believe we fall for this, okay? Um, But I'll give you enough that you can follow along. So no matter what side you're on, they, they use straw men like, or farmers, okay? So calling all Republicans racists and then attacking racism and therefore attacking all Republicans, that's a straw man. Calling all Democrats snowflakes and then attacking immaturity and therefore attacking all Democrats, straw man. So if the church defines faith as this, this is how the church defines it. Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation that is offered to us in the gospel, right? But Richard Dawkins defines it as a great cop-out where no one needs to evaluate the evidence. You see how he has redefined the term and is attacking something that actually doesn't exist. And also what most Christians should also attack, right? This is a straw man argument and one that you will unfortunately have to correct as you engage with the culture. And we're going to teach you how to do that today. Actually, quite easily in small groups, we're going to give you some questions and how you can respond. We're going to do some role-playing for some of you actors in here. Um, 
so you can learn how to respond to these type of things. Um, the problem, though, with Richard's definition is twofold. One, many Christians themselves actually believe that this is what faith is, which makes your job even harder. They believe that lack of knowledge actually makes them more authentic Christians because they have faith like a child. It's frustrating, you'll meet them. So they don't need to know theology because they just need to know Jesus. Okay? The second problem is that the world has done an excellent job of marketing faith against reason positioning them like they're two competing boxers in a ring before humankind. In this corner, we have reason from the local science lab, wearing white coat and weighing in on a mass of 185 pounds. In this corner, we have faith from the church down the street, wearing a white collar and not wearing, weighing anything because he is filled with the Spirit. But nothing can be further from the truth when we discuss faith, and reason, and what biblical faith is. So before we define biblical faith, I want to make clear what it is not. If you remember last week, we're comparing the counterfeit bill with the real bill. So what is faith not? And this is your next fill in the blank. Faith is, what is it not? Faith is not a subjective experience where you must have an otherworldly encounter with it. Faith is not a subjective experience where you must have an otherworldly encounter with it. For those of you that don't know what subjective means, that just means personal. And the reason we're using the term subjective is because as we dive into some of the deeper concepts revolving in philosophy, you need to know what that is. So subjective means a personal understanding, personal encounter, right? Faith is a gift, yes, but it doesn't necessarily come with a burning in your bosom or the ability to speak in an angelic language. This is your next fill in the blank. Faith may come with an experience, but faith is not grounded in an experience. This is rooted in a belief made popular by a guy named Immanuel Kant. If Sam was here, he'd be like, oh, yes, I just got done with his fourth book. He only wrote three. No, no, no. I've read them all. I know I've made Sam into a Brit all of a sudden. I apologize. Um, so Immanuel Kant believed this, that all knowledge begins with experience. He made a further statement that the experience was limited to the five sentences. So Immanuel Kant made a truth claim, namely, all knowledge is limited to the five senses. Can anyone tell me what is wrong with the truth claim, all knowledge is limited to the five senses? What is wrong with the truth claim, that all knowledge is, all knowledge is limited to the five senses? Give it a shot. This is where you talk back. Sure, doesn't make it wrong. So why is the statement, all knowledge is limited to the five senses, false? No, you, can't, you know it. 
I'm going to say it, and you're all going to be like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. Watson? Um, I was just thinking that you can't see or taste or like interact with like radio waves or anything, but we still know that they exist. All right, sure, sure. All knowledge, though. All knowing. Oh, all right. That limited the five senses. It's good. You're on the right train of thought. I love the way he's like, well, oh, actually, I can think of radio waves. Sucker! <laughs> How do you come to that knowledge self? No, 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 I'm saying like how you interpret it and how you... He goes farther. You actually... How you apply it to... Like that's not something you do with your five senses. It's something that comes from your brain. Okay. You're on to Kant's second point, which I'm not going to get into tonight, but you're there. I appreciate it. You're too smart for the class. You literally are on the next point that I deleted from this... this, this. So let me give it to you. All knowledge is limited to the five senses. That's a great statement, right? I want you to say it with me. All knowledge is the five senses. So which of the five senses did you use to come to that truth claim? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that... Nowhere. It's a self-defeating statement. Because you can't come to that knowledge of truth using the five sentence. That is a statement of reality. Oh. <laughs> Wait, that, that's what he said. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you, thank you, oh, thank you. When it says in parentheses, yes. everybody groans. Yes, that's actually good. Oh. But does that make sense? You can't come to that knowledge using the five sentence, mm-hmm. senses. So it's a self-defeating statement. I am way oversimplifying Kant. I'm way oversimplifying it. But for the sake of audience, we're not going into too much farther detail. If you want more detail, buy me coffee. Um, There's much more um, at it. Know this, though, that because of this beginning presupposition, namely that knowledge is limited to the five senses, Kant held to the fact that you couldn't prove God, and therefore he couldn't be known in a rational sense. Even though he still claimed Christ... It was a faith that resembled Dawkins, not scripture. Schleiermacher, that's a fun word to say on any night of the week, uh, took it a step further. Um, He is known as the father of modern liberal theology. Schleiermacher was an anti-supernaturalist. If you lived in the 1800s and in Germany, this was popular. And he believed Christianity could still operate without the supernatural in it, Because according to Schleiermacher, the heart of religion is a subjective experience. The heart of religion is a personal experience. The Bible is still important, not because it is authoritative in what it says, but because it is reliable expression of religious experience of the ancient church. Again, faith here is placed as a subjective experience and not rooted in anything objective. So what do I mean by objective and subjective? This used to be a whole lesson in itself. So let me discuss it quickly. If you need more help with this, we can break it down in small groups. The statement, I am six feet tall, 
is considered to be objective because such precise measurement is presumed to be influenced by per, isn't presumed uh, isn't presumed to be influenced by personal experience. The truth claim about the object, the person, comes from outside the person. Common measurements. Okay, so I am six feet tall is an objective statement because we're measuring the object, the person, and we're using a truth, namely measurements outside that person to measure against it, and anyone in here can go up to him using those measurements and be able to say, yes, you are indeed six feet tall. Moreover, the accuracy of the measurement can be checked and rechecked by independent observers. In contrast, the statement, I think it's been made by Sarah Ann once, I like tall men, is an entire, I'm just messing with it. She's like, I don't remember making that statement. It might be true. Uh, is an entirely subjective judgment because it can be informed solely by personal experience, right? Indeed, it is a statement of personal preference. The truth claim comes from someone, the subject, Sarah Ann, about the object, tall men. Unfortunately, faith is like this in much of the American church. Truth claims can be true for me, but not for you, even if they're opposing positions in reality. And that's the scariest part. This is not the faith of Scripture, which makes objective truth claims about reality. The Bible constantly makes objective truth claims about reality. When Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, he meant that as an objective truth. No one comes to the Father except through him. We know that the two ways, we know that because of two ways, both in the context of the verse. The the context of the verse makes it clear. This is for all people. And also, in the original Greek, Greek is cool because verbs have tenses. And so it acts more precisely than English verbs. So the verbs used here are in an absolute tense. So it's very clear. I'm saying this for everybody. Absolutely at all times. Okay? It is, there's not a loose, there is a loose verb they could use, and it's not the loose one. So the main crux of the modern view of faith is to separate it from reality. And you find this in a lot of liberal churches. Okay? The Bible never does this. Okay, it's your next fill in the blank. Faith in Jesus Christ is not detached from logical truth claims of the Bible. Rather, it is rooted in these objective and historical certainties. It's rooted in these objective and historical certainties. Faith does not separate itself from reality. Jeffrey Johnson in the book, The Absurdity of Unbelief, states the following. It's your next big fill in the blank. Scripture never separates faith from reality. Faith may believe in spiritual realities that transcend our empirical senses, but God is not asking us to suspend logic or for us to believe in something that is either irrational or unsubstantiated. He is not asking us to take a leap 
of faith into darkness. If anything, we are called to run to the light and build our life on the most solid foundation possible, his word. Romans 10, 17 makes this clear in regards to faith. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Our faith is to be grounded in something, namely what the word of God says. Faith is not a battle against reason. It is rooted in reason. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Finally, brethren, pray for us that we may be delivered from what? Unreasonable and wicked men. For the reason uh, for their irrational behavior, Paul explains, is their lack of faith in Christ. For all men have not faith. God commands us to use reason. It's one of my favorite verses. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Through our si- your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Isaiah 1.18 Rather than telling others that it is impossible for them to know God until they take a leap of faith into darkness, which is what the cults do, you just got to have faith here. Joseph Smith, he really did look into a glass ball in a hat and tell us something about reality. Take a leap of faith. We are called to give a rational defense instead to those who are asked for a reason for the hope that we have. 1 Peter 3.15. The object of faith, according to Paul, is objectively true and rational. Acts 26.25. So it is on the basis of reason. So is it on the basis of reason that our faith rests? No. As the theologian Francis Turretin said, to your next fill in the blank, though reason is not the principle upon which faith rests, It is the instrument of faith. It is the instrument of faith. So what is faith? AJ, you told us what it's not. What is faith? It's your last fill in the blank. Faith is trusting the word of God. Faith is trusting the word of God. This is Old Testament, people. Genesis 3. Adam and Eve didn't have faith. So when Satan said, did God really say? And when he did, he did, he did actually lean in like that and slide his leg as he moved. Okay? That's why it's like it, was it was very serpentine, right? <laughs> That's what he was challenging. Their faith. Did God really say when the people of the old testament struggled with god it was well did god really tell us not to make an idol when moses went up on the mountain i don't remember that errant let's get all the gold together and make a calf right judges did god really say kick the people out of the land i think we should enslave them it makes more sense they should do the work for us We are better than them. Sinners. Right? Over and over again, it is the people's lack of faith, not trusting the word of God, that leads to sin. And it is the same for us. Faith is trusting the word of God. When you've been examined by the doctor for sickness, 
he gives you a prognosis pretty much every time. You typically trust them and take the meds they prescribe because they've given you no reason not to trust them, and they have a good reputation in the community, unless you go to a bad doctor, right? Which doctors don't go to them, okay? But if you trust the doctor, you follow the doctor's orders. Why? Because you have faith in them. I have faith that he's telling me the truth. If your best friend tells you, hey, you're being a jerk, you typically listen to them, right? Because they are your best friend, and you trust their judgment, and therefore you might be being a jerk. Right? Jeffrey Johnson finishes his section on faith with this. It's a longer quote, but I think it's really good, so I'm not going to take away from it. In the same way, God has given ample evidence for his faithfulness. In fact, if the evidence is overwhelming, it becomes foolish on our part to continue to question him. In this way, it is not a blind leap of faith for Abraham and Sarah to believe God over the empirical evidence that they are too old to have children. They trusted God's word because they were fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised, Romans 4.21. God had already sufficiently proven himself to them. Yes, humanly speaking, it was impossible. Yet the one who made the promise was God. And God, by definition, is able to suspend the laws of nature and make old women pregnant. In the same way, by faith, the Bible says, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible, Hebrews 11.3. Again, if there is good reason to believe the God of the Bible, then it's reasonable to believe that he created the universe out of nothing. In fact, as I hope to show, a personal God creating everything out of nothing is the only logical and self-consistent explanation of the origins of the universe. If God is God, and if the Bible is his word, then trusting the Bible is the only reasonable thing to do. Trusting God's word is trusting in the veracity and trustworthiness of God. I personally have never trusted in green leprechauns or their silly promises. Not only is there no evidence of their existence, I have no reason to believe, even if they did exist, that they would be trustworthy. They're not, by the way. Conversely, if the evidence is overwhelming that the Bible is God's word, and that God is fully trustworthy, as this project will seek to demonstrate, then those who trust God will never be disappointed. Romans ten eleven. So when you ask someone, what do you think faith is? And they give you that cop-out reason against, answer against reason. And then they ask you what you think faith is. You can answer them. I think faith is trusting God at his word, because I have no reason to think he is wrong. And actually... It's the only thing that makes sense of everything else to me. How do we make sense of existence? Well, that's the first pill to swallow. And will you come on an objective quest with us? And that's what we'll be doing the rest of our time. Next week's message is what separates man from faith. It's really the heart condition um, that you need to understand as you talk to people about the gospel. I'm going to break into small groups.